Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, your weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You are listening to Newport Soup Ladle, Dylan B. Jones and Bimini Steak Knife, Juno Dawson. <laughs> are you impressed, Dylan? I wrote those down especially. I made a note of Bimini Steak Knife. I was like... What the fuck is a Bimini steak knife? I was like, has Bimini, has Bimini Bomboulash like branched out into kitchenware? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the the ongoing global domination of Bimini. Yeah, I'm although she's vegan, it. so it would be like a melon knife rather than a steak knife, wouldn't it? The Bimini, <laughs> a, Bimini a Bimini avocado knife. The Bimini Satan knife, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, season six, episode Welcome. nine. Yes, a woman's right to shoes. <laughs> Juno's making a face like she's okay about to throw up. <laughs> No, I just there's a lot to get into. There is a, there is so much to unpack. Um, the question that we are going to try and answer for you this week is: When did we stop being free to be you and me? Thank you, Dylan. Um, do you have a potted synopsis for us before we get into it? Yes, I do. So, uh, the I suppose the most what most people are going to remember from this episode is Carrie's shoes going missing carries manolo's going missing mm-hmm. from the um ridiculously bougie loft party loft baby shower that she goes to um to celebrate her friend kira's baby um and lots of awkwardness ensues um lots of awkward com- conversations lots of com- lots of unspoken shoe based conflict um <laughs> and yeah there's just so oh i mean yeah we'll we, we'll get into it uh we meet it's 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 a thorn it's a thorny episode i think we might get cancelled over this episode let's, <laughs> let's see how we go yes. keep going no those are the well yeah we'll see um we meet dr robert leeds for the first time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he moves into he moves into miranda's building uh a new love interest for miranda played by uh-huh. the beautiful blair underwood Beautiful. Um, I followed him on Instagram and he didn't follow me back. Sad time. <gasps> oh, Blair Underwood. <laughs> if you are listening to this, we love you. We love Dr. Robert Leeds. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Please give it, give us a follow back. Yeah, maybe I'll message the. Um, I think she's coming in the next episode. The cheerleader. Maybe I'll see if she wants to come on. <laughs> oh, Roll please in. do the the, the, Roll the in. <laughs> seductive cheerleader. Please love her. Um, and then oh, Charlotte is having issues with tea bagging. Harry's leaving leaving tea bags around her flat, mm-hmm. and. So the theme of it is her basically like torn between like wanting to let him be himself, but also being a bit of a control freak. And then Samantha, very little for Samantha this week, other than her being annoyed by children. (laughs) Also, interestingly, we're going to get into that because it it raises some interesting, interesting points. Yeah. Um, Let's um, start with Carrie as always. Now I said notably last week and I said before that in my mind this is my least favorite episode of Sex and the City. Mm, mm. I think I'm going to revise that. Okay, because, interesting. You know, I was going to invoke Dylan and mm. I was going to say your mantra anything but boring. Mm. And this episode is not boring. There are more boring episodes of Sex and the City than this one. In fact, there are more boring episodes of Sex and the City this season. Yeah. So actually I take it all back. <laughs> this is not the worst episode of Sex in the City. <laughs> yeah, because I was watching it and I was surprised slightly. Yeah, because I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm not left feeling sort of annoyed and flat like I have been mm-hmm. a couple of times this season. So let's let's first of all get into the legal issues surrounding Carrie's stolen shoes. This morning, so when you think, what does Juno Dawson do in her daily routine? Is the answer, she goes down a rabbit hole online trying to work out the legal situation pertaining to a scenario where your property is stolen on someone else's property. Yeah, because... That, that's what I did today, Dylan. Well, I'm glad you did that because I've got, actually got it as a question, and this is why we do a podcast together. I've got it as a question mm-hmm. in my notes because, just a, just a quick recap. So Carrie goes to this her friend's party. Her friend mm-hmm. makes her take her shoes off at the door. When Carrie goes to leave, the shoes are gone and someone's taking the shoes. And then Carrie is talking to the ladies about it afterwards. And Miranda says, well, legally, your friend should pay for them. And I was like, is that true? Is, is that true? Well, first and foremost, Carrie's shoes would probably be covered under their home's contents insurance. Mm. Mm. So actually, Kira, as that is the actress played by Tatum O'Neill, who we're going to get into in a bit as well, um... Kira should be insured, so she uh, uh, she would probably have to file a crime number to say that they had been stolen, but actually her insurance should cover it. Um, Carrie's shoes in 2002 cost $485. Um, I think Manila's would probably be a little bit more now. Just a bit, um, yeah. A designer, sh- a designer shoe now usually costs in the region of six, £700, yeah. I find. Um, um that is a wild amount of money to spend on shoes. Have you ever spent that much on shoes, Dylan? No, I'm actually, um, not to like blow my own trumpet or anything, but I actually don't spend that much money on on like material things. Like most of my clothes are from like other people or- uh... Okay, Oliver Twist, <laughs> I spend a fortune, all right? And most of my clothes are from like, other people or like charity shops or and I'm not one to buy like uh I, I can honestly say I don't own anything that costs that has that cost me more than a hundred pounds 
<laughs> I do because I'm not knocking I have it. Like I'm not knocking. Like totally, if you can do it, like treat yourself mm-hmm. completely. But I think it's something well, that my yeah, I don't know. I've just never done that. I caught the disease from Sex in the City. You know, <laughs> yeah. Fergie told me I go shopping for labels. I go shopping for love, and yeah. then I did. Um, <laughs> I like that now. I'm in a position where I can sort of splurge on nice things because for the longest, longest time I couldn't. Like I've said it before, I didn't go on holiday for about 20 years because I couldn't afford to. You know, kind of, I, you know, now can. And as well, I do kind of see it slightly being part of my job. You know, I realised when I started going to sort of events where Mm. people are going to take your picture that there is that who are you wearing moment mm. where it's it's nice to say oh it's vintage vintage Prada or oh yeah. it's you know it's Vivian Westwood or whatever you know it is it's nice to be able to do that and it is a status thing it's an ego thing um it's stupid it's obscene no, you know no, I I, I've never spent that much on shoes but I have spent that much on, and more on handbags other as I tell my husband, my Chanel handbag, it's an investment piece and it will only get more expensive with time. That's true. So. Chanel. It's like a Chanel suit. It never goes out of style. Um, like Marge Simpson, I will be stitching that handbag <laughs> um, No, I don't, I don't think it's like stupid or obscene. And this ties, like if it makes you feel good about yourself and it's not doing anyone any harm, like fill your boots, do it. And this ties into what Kira fucking says to Carrie when she's like, I shouldn't have to pay for your extravagant lifestyle. Extravagant lifestyle. Who says like, and this is very Samantha of me, like who says like spending money on a bag is like more or less valid than spending money on a baby that you've chosen to have? Right? (laughs) Well, let's, okay. Let's just Cancellation point number one. Martin, please insert some sort of klaxon siren. (laughs) The easily offended might wish to look away now. Because... Bringing a baby into the world is an enormous financial burden, but also an environmental burden yes. as well. You know, kind of the, yeah. the world is massively overpopulated. Um, it's, you know, you're right. And this episode, so the crux of this whole episode is why are some women's choices celebrated more than other women's choices? Mm. Kira has chosen to have three children with made up names. <laughs> Actually, oh, yeah, Allegra. people out there listening with children called Milo and Allegra. I used to be a teacher <laughs> in Brighton. Those names aren't as original as you think they are. It's just I'll just put that one out there. Just put that one out there. Um, we're so doomed, Dylan. You uh, and I. <laughs> change your name. Change your identity. Should, leave the city. We should preface this by saying, like, we don't judge. We, we don't judge people at all for having kids. No. But. In the, like, for the purposes of this comparison, it's a very interesting thing that Sex and the City raises. And Carrie says it to Charlotte. She says, because Carrie and Charlotte are discussing, like, mm-hmm. getting presents for baby showers versus yeah. why do single people not get presents for things? And Carrie's like, I'm not, Carrie's like, I love to, and this is when I loved her, actually, in this episode. She was like, I'm all for, like, celebrating these amazing milestones in your life. But, like, mm-hmm. where's my parade, basically, is what she's saying. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite a queer thing. I'm going to say she's straight as well. She doesn't even get pride. Yeah, well, yeah. But it's when quite... is it straight pride, Dylan? But it's something that, like, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, where's the cis male pride? Um, it's something that queer people experience a lot, like because mm-hmm. a lot of us don't reach the traditional heteronormative 
uh, milestones. Um, so yeah. And I think so. What the the flip side of any good that Carrie does in this episode is somewhat offset <laughs> by the ongoing Carrie issue that she's completely self involved at all times. <laughs> um, She's not going to let it go. It's, oh, no. For me, it's the, it's the scene at brunch. Maybe they were filming it at the end of a very long day, but they all look so sick of her shit. Yeah. <laughs> when, she's, when she's just, you just like, and you can see that she's in like the fourth hour of talking about her shoe <laughs> and kind of Samantha losing the will to live. Kind of. I mean, probably just... Kim Cattrall losing the will to live <laughs> like, yeah. at that point. <laughs> um, there's an amazing, um, where is it in my notes? There's an amazing. Uh, Kim Cattrall moment. Oh, we can get to that later. It's about teabagging. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, teabagging. We'll put a pin in it for part two. Yeah. Um, but Kira Kira Bronson was. I was impressed by how much I hated her. Like that's a great a great character. Um, and very well played by the actor. So let's talk about let's talk about Tatum and Neil. Yeah. Still the youngest person to ever win an Oscar. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um. A very troubled character. I've been fascinated by Tatum O'Neill pretty much since this episode. I remember when it came out, like it was like special guest star Tatum O'Neill. And I'd not really heard of her. I was like, why should I care about special guest star Tatum Mm. O'Neill? And so even back then, I was really interested in who is this woman. She's been friends with Sarah Jessica Parker, both child actors during the 80s. Oh, wow. So they kind of came up together. Um, She was nine when she filmed the film that won her the Oscar. Wow. Um, she's a Nepo baby. Her father is Ryan O'Neill, who was a very famous Hollywood actor. And she later claimed in a memoir that she was sexually assaulted as a child by her father's drug dealer. And um, her wow. life has been plagued by addiction problems. Tatum was arrested buying crack cocaine in 2008. So that's actually after she recorded Sex in the City. Mm. Um, she has since... Um, gotten clean and sober mm. um, But yeah just really troubled um, Very high profile The first girlfriend of Michael Jackson Oh my god <laughs> Michael Michael Jackson Claimed in his infamous Martin Bashir Boo cancelled In mm. his Martin Bashir interview That Tate Manil aggressively tried to have sex With him but he was Scared of sex Tate Manil completely denies This ever happened Um Suggesting it was much more of a showman's than it was like a real, real thing. Um, so yeah, Tatum O'Neill, fuck, she has lived. Do you know what? Life. I'm going to excuse her wanting people to take their shoes off at the door now after hearing all that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's the least we can do for Kira Bronson. Wow, though, um, shout out, shout out to Ta- like, amazing, what an amazing woman. Mm. Just again, one of those, it feels like she's one of those people, like dark side of Hollywood victims. Yes. You know, that it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of conversation about Nepa babies right now, but I think for, for a lot of the benefits having rich and famous parents can get you, there is that kind of flip side Mm. where you've lived this completely heightened existence. Yeah. You know, kind of like, look at like Willow and Jaden Smith. Yeah they cannot function as normal human beings because they were born into a completely alien situation. Yeah, and also, like, it's hard enough having, like, I don't know, like, a sibling or a best friend who's super famous and feeling overshadowed by that. But imagine if it's your parents. Is that how you feel about me? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> that's exactly exactly how I feel. Um, but yeah, like imagine if it's your parents. Like, what does that do to your head and your like feelings of self self worth? Mm. Um, Un- yeah, I mean, she didn't stand a chance. Um, however, I do think she plays Kira. With a level of frostiness, yes. that's quite admirable because nobody wants to be a bitch on television. Yeah, like kind of. I played like a crazed thief on Holby City, <laughs> but I was still kind of like, but how can we make her likable? <laughs> Whereas I, I like literally stabbed someone, and I was like, yeah, but but why did she? Stab what about this? what um, about if she only steals from big corporations? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, in the end, it was just to fund facial feminization surgery. Oh, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, right. Who hasn't? But um, I thought I thought well, it was, I quite liked that kind of Tatum O'Neill came in and was like, "I'm just going to play this real kind of cow." Yeah. Who we understand that you know she's got three kids, including a very small child. Kind yeah. Of. Um, but there is an air of just kind of aloof detachment about Kara that I really like. Yeah, when Carrie calls her. Um, to do this big like apology discussion, and Kira's like, "Oh, I hadn't, I'd forgotten all about that." It's just like, "Oh, oh, you're a nasty." Bitch. And as Miranda says, like, "She's a fucking bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Kira is just a fucking bitch. And <laughs> yeah. um, there's a different a side question, listeners: Are there some people in this world who are just a fucking bitch? Um, there's a question the... that they never asked on Sex and the City. Um, but she's written so well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I caught a little. Um, aside when she was talking to someone at the party and you just like Carrie's like the camera's focused on Carrie but you hear Kira saying like oh yes and then the landscaper ran off with all of our trees <laughs> it's like... I wish do you know what they should do they should have filmed like a b-side to this episode that is like you know how they were at Twilight from Edward's perspective oh, yeah. they should have done this episode from Kira's perspective <laughs> where she's like this fucking woman who I've barely seen since 1995 will not fucking stop going on about her shoe like this woman is obsessed with her shoe like you just see her at brunch with her friend yeah. it's going like this woman keeps ringing me about her shoes and then the like, phone should I rings. recommend a therapist the okay. phone rings and she's like oh my god it's her again um <laughs> and Kira could be played by Tommy Doe <laughs> <laughs> oh god yes yes <laughs> um taking but so in general what do we think about taking shoes off uh, when you come into someone's house how do we feel about that we i mean <laughs> if okay if i so again women's rights to shoes if i lived in a house where i had chosen to install pale colored carpets mm. yes i would get people to take their shoes off mm. i, I um, because but then again that's you're, what you're doing is you're asking people to take their shoes off like if if you're okay to take your shoes off please take your shoes off mm. like i wouldn't force someone <laughs> to take their shoes and the the reason's bullshit like bringing in germs on your shoes fuck off children as miranda says children are covered in crap like i have seen you know my friend hi shout out to olivia my friend bought her baby round yeah. the other day you know this baby he's just started crawling you know picking up the dog's toys and i was like oh, that's been in my dog's mouth and olivia was like children are disgusting don't worry about it it's probably good for his immune system <laughs> um yeah i mean agreed i think my view with 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 shoes is 
I don't mind taking my shoes off. Like if I just go to like a friend's house and they're like, oh, can you take your shoes off? Um, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I actually, because I'm like Harry, like I like a boot with a trouser, like shoes are like part of my look. So I don't like Very it, much. but it's their house. I'm at their house. I'm going to do what they ask. But I do think the reason Kira was at fault is if you have an issue with people wearing shoes in your house, don't have a party at your house. Like right. have a party at a bar. Or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to a couple of parties where every like that, like the party in Sex and the City, where like everyone's had to take their shoes off, and it's just it feels <laughs> absurd. <laughs> Strangely infantilizing as well. Yeah, like padding around in socks. Yeah, feels weird. childlike somehow. Kind of. Yeah, and it takes all the kind of glamour and excitement out of the party for me. I'm like, oh, I should just be sort of like sat on the sofa watching a movie then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. we, I mean, we have we have here a legal precedent where Kira is responsible for Carrie's shoes. Mm. Um, just claim on your insurance. Um, two, Carrie is obsessed, but I'm almost kind of I have a begrudging respect for how she refuses to let it go. And the worst bit for me is when Kira says, "I'll give you two hundred dollars." Yeah. Well, that's not what they cost. Yeah. So no. In fact, it's half what they cost. Yeah, like mad, mad behaviour. Like possibly let's, I mean, because I mean, possibly had Kira argued, look, you chose to wear exceptionally expensive shoes in public. Let's not forget Carrie has already been mugged for her shoes once. Like the woman doesn't learn. Um, um, This is the second second time her shoes get stolen. Yeah. And then, oh God. And then in, and just like that, they get ruined in the shower. Her beautiful blue ones get ruined when Big dies. Oh yes. So Manolo's and, a... Pe- and Pete chews her shoe as well. Aiden, Aiden's dog chews one of her Manolos as well. Does someone's water break on her Manolos? Yep. <laughs> Miranda's water. Wow, this woman does talk about her shoes a lot. Okay, so Carrie does have a shoe issue. So that's <laughs> but we you know, know Kyra this. and Kira and her friends are right. We but... know this though. We've always known this about Carrie. Yeah. Um, and she and does I, say. And I do to... think, you know, because some some of my handbags cost more than Carrie's shoes, and and if, yeah, I would want. I don't know if I would expect my friend to pay for it, but what I would say, what I I guess I would have said to Kara is, these shoes were really expensive, and somebody has stolen them. Mm. You know. So either you need to track down where my shoes have gone or I'm going to have to get the police involved for yeah. insurance purposes. Whereas, so Carrie's initial response of you need to pay for the shoes feels a little knee-jerk, I guess. Yeah, I did think um, as well, like, could they really not track down who... Because it wasn't like it was a crazy house party, like, where there were just loads of randoms there. Like, it was presumably... It was her baby shower, so it was pre- presumably all people who she knew. So I send think, a group email. Send yeah. an email. Yeah. Or, well, that's what would... And that's what I have actually seen happen a couple of times now, is like in the WhatsApp group or in the... Or even on Instagram, close friends stories, someone will be like, mm-hmm. oh, has anyone seen this jacket from... Has any... You know, did anyone lose mm-hmm. a jacket or whatever? Um, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Carrie, in the end, what do we think about her extreme solution, which is she 
tells Kira she's getting married to herself, <laughs> sets up a bridal registry at Manala Blahnik with one item on it, which she forces Kira to buy for her. She shames Kira into action. Let's be honest, that is what that is absolutely what she does. She reminds Kira that Kira has previously registered for both wedding gifts and presumably three lots of baby shower gifts. And now Carrie wants her capitalist revenge. <laughs> Do you know what? Ridiculous behaviour, but I, I enjoyed it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, there's something quite chic about it. Yeah. Like, the delivery of it is, like, like heat-seeking missile efficient, kind yeah. of. Like just reg- I'm registered here. Five dollars. <laughs> yeah, and I and I must admit I do especially love the casting of the woman who works at Manila Blanik <laughs> yeah. because I sometimes think they just hire models to make you feel worse about your life. Yeah, like when you're in there trying on something that just looks hideous on your real woman body, and then Christy <laughs> Turlington floats and goes, "How are you getting on in there? How do you think, Christy? I look like a bag of popcorn fresh out the microwave." <laughs> oh my god, that reminds me when I was in when I went into Vivian Westwood um, in central London to buy my Vivian Westwood trousers, which are I think which are the one hundred pounds that they were like ninety quid or something. So they're one of the most expensive things I have. The French, um, very sort of feminine uh, gay shop assistant, I'm assuming gay, um, sort of, I was wearing like camouflage trousers and just like a slightly grubby white t-shirt and he'd like t- spun around with a hanger and just like looked me up and down. And honestly, I felt like Anne Hathaway in The Devil Wears Prada when Meryl Streep... Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Yeah, it was very I don't think that. we have anything for you here. Yeah, it was very that. And do you know what? I loved it. I loved that these things actually do happen in real life and not just in mm. films. Um... Yeah. So yeah, she she gets she gets her dreadful revenge. It's fine. She gets her fucking horrible shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the punchline. Welcome to your horrible shoe. Must admit, his I don't particularly like Manila Blanick shoes. Oh, interesting. I prefer okay. a Jimmy Choo. I prefer a Christian Louboutin. Mm. I'm not a big fan of. I think I don't really get it. Mm. But um, she gets them, and off she scurries down the street. I like that she. In the end, she pairs them with like a pair of combat pants. Yeah, like nice. to scurry through Manhattan. She yeah. doesn't. I don't. I don't know how I feel about the monologue, which is it's really hard to walk in a woman's shoes. So sometimes it's nice to have a really good pair. Oh yeah, that was nonsense. That was like the writers at the end being like, "How do we wrap this up? Let's just put mm-hmm. in some like noughties rom com nonsense." Garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... It's funny. Sex in the City. It, it's strange how. That that period of time, and it's obviously they continue to do it, and just like that, which is to show real, well, to show human women existing in heels. Yeah. Which a very not fashionable. I mean, I know I know all of fashion exists in cycles, but high heels. Even if you look at runways, you're not seeing a lot of models wearing stilettos right now, except Saint Laurent, who continues to dress women. Like, well, just they're not women. Yves <laughs> Saint Laurent do not make clothes for women. They right. make clothes for, for mannequins, models, basically. Right, yeah, for mannequins. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and um, but other than that, you're not really going to see a lot of heels. But I think 
given how young I was, because I was pre-transitioned the first time I watched Sex and the City, I like to believe that wearing a heel was something that women might choose to do. Mm. Yeah. Hot painful, actual pain. Mm. And people who tell you they don't feel it anymore. No, I think, no, it hurts. Or like you've said, I think you said before, like maybe the reason they don't feel it anymore is because their foot is literally like just turned to mush. <laughs> a cloven, a cloven hoof. Yeah. yeah. Possibly um, you can get Botox in your feet as well so you don't feel it so much. But if you're having injections oh, in your feet so that you can wear a pair of shoes. Um, just and think, I, think, I think the ugh. pandemic as well. I think I'm enjoying returning to glamour post-pandemic. That's always nice. You know, to, you know, for 18 months we didn't really get a chance to dress up. But... Still, I, I wouldn't sacrifice an evening again to wearing a heel. Wow. I'm going to an award ceremony tonight, actually. I'm going to take some trainers in my bag. <laughs> nice. Always. So I can have a dance. I always thought if I wore women's clothes, I'd wear like a, a sort of goth boot, like Effie from mm-hmm. Skins, like a goth boot yeah. and a and a net, and a, you know, a net, a net stocking, and then like a sort of torn up. flame burned looking dress with it i don't know (laughs) that's that's a good look i think i think that that is a practical look and i think by the time and just like that came around at least at least um cynthia nixon's costume felt representative of what a new york woman would wear she never looked anything less than chic Mm. but she wasn't pottering around manhattan in a four inch heel i'm trying to think mad I'm trying to think walking around London, you do see women in heels, but not not a lot at all. Like, no. if you're walking through, like, Kensington and Chelsea, the chances are you'll see, like, a couple of women in heels. Um, and especially around the city, where yeah, you've got yeah. people who want to look professional. But very often, if you're on the tube, you'll see a woman dressed very, very smartly wearing a trainer or a flat shoe, and then she's got her heels in her handbag, kind yeah. of. Which, again, because they're very uncomfortable. Um I think SJP, if we were to somehow get SJP on the podcast, mm. it could happen. You don't mm. know. Um, I think she would defend it. I think she is one of those women who says that any discomfort she feels is outweighed by the fact she likes the look. Yeah. And again, it's a woman's right to shoes. <laughs> it is. Um, and I think I'm assuming, I think that's one of the things that bugs me about this episode, which is... It is a play on women's right to choose, which yeah. is forever tied to the ongoing battle for reproductive Particularly rights. Particularly now. So to, make, to make it about shoes feels like it's cheapening a yeah. really important feminist issue as well. Yeah, like, it, it it just doesn't sit well on the tongue now, does it, at all? No. Um, but then, but that said, it's got us having a conversation about women's choices and That's about true. how or the autonomy of women is more important than anything else and actually Carrie is a woman who has had an abortion we know because there was a whole episode about it mm. and she chose shoes over babies yeah so actually it is a woman's right to choose yeah um I just there was something quite glib about it that just kind of was a bit like me but... yeah I mean I think it's just simple as simple as the fact that like if this was out coming out today, this episode mm-hmm. is never in a million years going to be called that. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, probably. Um, no. It's a product. I mean, because of... I mean, mm. it's meant to be provocative. So. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Okay, Let, I'm sick of talking about shoes. Yeah. Much like her friends at brunch, <laughs> I cannot listen to Carrie talk about shoes anymore. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about 
teabagging Dr. Robert Leeds and that Seamus with his fucking pasta. <laughs> All right, see you in a sec. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. We're talking about season six, episode nine. Something. Nine. A Woman's Right to Shoes. Episode nine. Nine? Are we up to episode nine yeah. already? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, a Woman's Right to Shoes. Um, let's talk about Dr. Robert Leeds. Yes. Do you want to do you want to know my little factette? I have found out about Dr. Robert Leeds. Oh, I've got uh, some as well. Maybe we... I've got the same one. We got the same fact here. You go first. Go on, you go first with your fact here. Okay, so it's from an interview in Vulture. We've got the same <laughs> fact here, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, go yeah. on. So interesting. So he was originally, well, he never was originally going to be this character, but um, the executive producers of Sex and the City first got in touch with him to extend an invitation to me. This is a quote from mm-hmm. him. An invitation to me a few years prior in the episode about Kim Cattrall's character dating a black man because she mm. was curious about it. I was respectfully... Siobhan. Yes. And then he goes on to say, I was respectfully not interested in being the curiosity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it was... It, the interview was picked up in a few outlets and basically he was very aware of the kind of objectification of black men. Yeah. Apparently there was originally a line in the script where Samantha asked him about his penis size, which is obviously very racially loaded yeah um yeah and good on blair underwood for saying no to that nonsense and obviously we had candice carty williams on that episode and um yeah it was bullshit yeah um um, yeah but he goes on to say in the interview that he was very happy with this storyline yes um and felt very comfortable on set um, and very comfortable with the crew and loved Cynthia Nixon, which is, mm-hmm. I was glad when I found the interview because it's answered like a lot of questions that I think we would have had. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a comparison to be made by Blair Underwood's Dr. Robert Leeds and the character of Charlie and Friends as played by Aisha Tyler. She dated, in that... did she date Ross? 
she dates Ross and Joey um, oh, okay. in the latter latter seasons. Okay. It's really interesting. So this, I wonder if this was like a cultural moment where there was obviously a conversation about the representation of black characters on television. Mm. Both Charlie and Dr. Robert Leeds are doctors and Charlie's a paleontologist. And so I think that's really, it's good to see um, black people given professional upper middle class roles but at the same time, there was a strict. It was a. Do you know what it was? It was peak. We don't see color territory. Yes. Yes. So very little of the trajectories of either of those characters explores what it's like to function as a black person in a very white environment. Yeah. So like Charlie is the only black paleontologist we see. Doctor Robert really is like the only significant black character in the original run. Of Sex and the City until we get to Jennifer Hudson in the movie. Yeah, I think he's so the only. Like, I think he's the only black character who's in more than one episode. Yeah, I strongly suspect that's true. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, Louise. Louise does get a bit of a bit of a backstory in the movie, but what Robert doesn't talk about is is being black. Yeah. Ever. I mean, he does it, of course, like all the men in Sex and the City, he exists to further Miranda's storyline. Yeah. But it's, it's. I think now, and obviously we, we saw this when it, when it came to And Just Like That, there would have been a conversation about what it's like as a black person to exist in that very stiflingly white sort of situation and and it was explored in that episode that we both found quite excruciating the mm. charlotte's dinner party episode but this do you know what i need to do i need to rewatch and just like that i need <sighs> to revise it ahead um, of season two but y- yeah and also i don't know if this episode that we're recording now i don't know if this is going to be i mean who knows <laughs> mm. <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen um but i thought uh, i'm interested to know what you think of this and also interested to know what listeners Black listeners in particular think of this. Mm-hmm. I thought that this episode, in a very brief scene, dealt with um, issues that you said just now about him feeling stifled in a very white mm-hmm. environment. There was a very brief line that I thought dealt with it much more deftly than and just like that does. When Is that Miranda's yeah, so the board yeah yeah when the co-op the co-op board um, yeah. is that yeah um, they're all a bunch of fusty old white people. And they're all discussing whether or not to allow Robert Leeds to live in the building. And someone says, like, oh, these young people, they always have parties and loud music. And Miranda says, I think we all know what's not being said here. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't mind. I didn't mind that line. But then in the voiceover, Carrie says what wasn't being said was Miranda was horny. Um, yeah. Which that I didn't mind that. And it felt like realistic, like those those kind of um euphemisms are used um i think that is, that is literally a white woman playing the race card which is yeah that, i mean that's, <laughs> this, I, that's I don't true. know what that's true listeners think about that but um she certainly she certainly leverages robert's race to get mm, what she wants that's true which actually is a new love interest yeah yeah um but but again we can't a bit like with Harry's Jewishness, we don't know how Harry perceives his faith. Yeah. Because, no, we never ask him. You know, the, the men of Sex and the City are ciphers, you know. And certainly Robert is an improvement on the Siobhan character. And actually the Siobhan character is a compl- is 
and we only meet him once, but he was a more nuanced character than his sister, who unfortunately got the angry black woman. Yeah, trope he was thrust it, upon her. Actually, you're right. He himself was a great character, um, and quite an interesting. And character. one wonders if Blair Underwood's re- reaction to that. I mean, obviously, he didn't upset the casting director because he was invited back three years later. Mm. But um, one wonders if. Once that script was out in the world, they they adjusted the character of Siobhan to make him less sort of caricatured, kind of. Um, yeah. But no, for me, the the Adina character in that episode was the one who was far more problematic. But um, I'm glad Robert's there. I don't know why a New York Knicks doctor is dabbing calamine lotion on an adult woman. On a he must pot. really fancy Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god, we get Jules and Mimi again as well. Jules and, we, and Mimi! And we get some um, we get some dialogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's a few tube stops between friends? I really enjoy. You're so soft. <laughs> and then and then Miranda says when she's telling Robert about it, she says Jules may be involved with the girl who works in the sausage shop. <laughs> <laughs> The sausage, the okay, the sausage shop is that a thing? <laughs> is, does she mean like the butchers? I think she do means they the have butchers in New York. They must do like a, a deli butcher. Thing. What show did you say it was allegedly based on? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but that Russell T Davies one with Alan... oh Bob and Rose, yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is filmed in Manchester, so maybe that's where maybe one of them's a factory worker or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what else? But I did really like it when that like awkward moment when Jules and Mimi oh, start excruciating. Yeah, and it was really good when Jules and Mimi start shagging and they're both just sort of sitting there watching. It. <laughs> the un- the only similar thing that I can relate that to is when I accidentally watched Black Swan with my mother. Oh my god! So did I. <laughs> <laughs> Not with so your niche. mother. With my mother. <laughs> There was just like a frosty silence as there's quite an explicit lesbian sex scene with Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. Just me and my mum like, oh, so. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, me and my mum, me and my mum saw it in the cinema. Um, <laughs> yeah, because we thought because she likes ballet, and thought... <laughs> you like swans, she likes ballet. Yeah. Yeah. Little did little did we know. That that was it's a great film though. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. It's best best Darren Aronofsky. Oh no, Requiem for a Dream, then Black Swan. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. Yeah. Um that was Art Corner. And so I got to thinking, who knew? Darren Aronofsky film recommendations. Just get a podcast that can give you everything. Um let's talk about teabagging. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll finish off with a debate about children in public spaces. Oh god, yeah. Um Okay, so teabagging, lol. The scene, worth it. This whole episode is worth it for Samantha's very po-faced advice <laughs> to Charlotte. Just breathe through your nose. <laughs> and that whole scene was great. Like, all of their chemistry was great when Miranda's like, oh, I see, because of the dipping. <laughs> Although, again, did you see Carrie wilting sex columnist Carrie Bradshaw hiding behind a menu? <sighs> Oh, now I've lost my appetite. Oh, what does she write about in her column? We need some, I mean, oh, I don't know. We, we have already had validation when, when I think from Samantha, when mm-hmm. Samantha like finally says to her, like, you need to be less of a prude or something, doesn't she, in mm-hmm. season three. 
But um, yeah, my God. <laughs> but um, yeah, but God love old Evan Handler just <laughs> padding around stark bollock naked. Amazing. Yeah, yeah love it. Just... And that little wave he did to her as he was like leaving the room naked, yeah. like the wiggle. <laughs> yeah, just I adore Harry Goldenblatt. Oh yeah. Just. They, if they if they Steve Harry Goldenblatt in and just like that I'm coming I'm coming for them. <laughs> um, I love I love just this I love that nudity is such a theme because obviously then we had the blowjob in and just like that as well. Um, that oh my she was god! Checking to see if he had cancer. I forgot about that. Jesus! I just got a very Wasn't there vivid. Was a prosthetic penis involved? There was yeah, a, yeah. quite a sizable one. <laughs> yeah. I just got a very vivid flashback to that. Um, yeah, the tea bags. It's nice. Um, it's quite lovely with Charlotte. She's really nice to him. And she's kind of, she's grown since the days of um, him putting on the baseball when she made her Shabbat dinner and her like mm. absolutely losing the plot. And she Oh, just, she lost him once. Yeah. yeah. And she very, in a very measured way says, I really want you to be yourself and I don't want to nag, but please can you do this? Yeah. Just it's a, a nice... It's a bit of a reach around for us to accept that Harry has not been living with Charlotte for a very long time. Mm. It seems odd to me that they've only moved in together after a wedding. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's quite sort of 50s, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let, let's round out this episode. Um, when did we stop being free to be you and me? Well, I, I, I don't know if we can answer that question because we live under a conservative government. Mm. I've done for about 15 years so it's more pertinent <laughs> more pertinent might be when will we or more accurately mm. when in particular you be free to be you yeah um yeah. but so let's instead end with a potential political hot potato mm. of small children in adult spaces which I think is going to get our message boards <laughs> lighting up like a Christmas tree I don't know how I feel about this Genuinely, I think it's a bit like, you know, sometimes you go into a pub or a bar or a cafe and it says, well-behaved dogs welcome. Same should apply to children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cancelled, Claxon. Are you calling my child a dog? No. I'm I'm going to be but... very careful because I'm going to end up like Samantha when she has that <laughs> rant. Mm -hmm. And I think we have spoken about this before. Um, a, a few, a couple of seasons ago. Um, I think there should be both things. So there should be spaces where children are welcome and there should be spaces that are adult only. Mm. Um, and well, and to be fair, there are nightclubs are adult only. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. There's a pub near me that has a section that is children, that is uh, adults only. Um, and I went in there with some friends once and we were deathly hungover and we saw, great, there's, a, there's, a, there's an adults only section. And we sat down and someone's kid ran into the adults only section and proceeded to bang on the like legs of the tables with a little wooden toy that he had relentlessly. And we could see his parent like just watching him in full view of the adults only sign. And it's at times like that. <laughs> That I get on my high horse. Did the um, child throw some pesto at you? <laughs> no, although that pasta looked good. <laughs> it did look delicious. It yeah. made me really hungry. Um, 
I agree. Max and I only book adult only holiday hotels. Yes. I, I yeah. do not want Another I don't want e- to see children when I'm on sat around a pool. I want to sit and read the latest on a tar <laughs> or similar without seeing kids screaming and jumping on lilas and shit. And yeah. again, that's a, ch- a woman's right to choose. I choose to go to adult Hermley holiday resorts and mm. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> um, that said, now I'm going to completely contradict myself. I think it's really good for children to be socialized around adults. Mm, yeah. It's really, really normal in the Mediterranean, in Italy, Greece, France, Spain. Children are expected and trained from a very young age to sit at a dining table and converse with adults on an adult level. And and I think that's really good training for adult life. I think, so when I was a kid, we were sort of sent off to play in like the children's area, kind of mm. like go away from the adults. The adults talking, you go away. And then when I became a teenager and I was expected to do things like work experience and get part-time jobs, I found talking to grown-ups really, really difficult. Mm, yeah. Like, I didn't even like talking to teachers. Like it was a skill that I just fundamentally lacked. Interesting. And so I see with some of my friends, you know, when children are included, those children just seem better adjusted to adult life. It feels yeah. like they've been given this skill, like a really important life skill. But I also think it's really important to have boundaries. So I think it, there are times that should just be for adults, kind of. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, you know, I went out, like I said, my, my friend brought her child, very small child down. And, you know, of course I don't want to go and sit in, like, I don't want to name a rest like a child friendly restaurant for lunch. Olivia and I wanted to have a nice lunch. So we went to a nice restaurant and her baby was immaculately well behaved. Mm. Sat in a high chair, had a bit of her food. Perfect. And that's because the child was used to it. You know, yeah. even at one years old, you know, kind of. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a bit of a, and you've raised a bit of a interesting conundrum there because if, um, if you don't socialise children children with adults, they're mm. going to be the sort of children, potentially, that cause issues in adult spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to bring the children into the adult space in order for them to behave in the adult space. Yeah. <laughs> we, were know trained, I remember we, we were trained as children in Little Chef, yes. which I think has gone now. But the, the difference was, right, yes. when we go to McDonald's, yes, do what you want. It's going to be carnage. Yeah. But when we go to Little Chef, you have to sit at the table until everybody has finished their meal. Doesn't matter how boring it is. Of course, at the time we didn't even have devices. Yeah. You know, we just used to have to sit and talk. Yeah. And good, because we learn, you know, we learn how to do that and we, we could do that. But um no, it is I also completely understand Samantha's perspective that screaming, banging no, and that that one is on. That's not nothing to do with a parent's right to choose whether or not to have children. It is, however, poor parenting. Yeah, there I said it. <laughs> um, I love. Oh, gonna get cancelled. <laughs> sorry, Dylan, you're in charge of the Instagram. Good luck. I um, I loved um, just amazing Kim Cattrall. Um, as always, when she's mm. just got the pesto spaghetti sli- sliding down her <laughs> Trying suit. to leave in a dignified yes. way, and covered says, well, in spaghetti. Well, I've made my point and he's made his. 
And the mum is bad parenting. The mum, you know, the mum failed to yeah. properly sanction that child. Yeah. And to that mother, I say, good luck. Because when your child is 15 and, you know, it stops being cute, you didn't set boundaries or establish the correct way to behave in public. So in, in the end, it's the parent, you know, you you reap what you sow, I think, in terms of poor parenting. Mm. For sure. Again, Juna, child-free woman. <laughs> Waxing lyrical. Getting read for filth. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's no parenting is fucking difficult. Yeah. So hard. Do uh, you know no- that and that's why I have chosen not to do it. Yeah. And it was a choice. Even as a trans woman, I have chosen not to adopt or use surrogacy. I have chosen not to have children because it looks like just the hardest thing in the world and it looks exhausting and it's difficult. So it is. And children mis- children misbehave. Yeah. And even with the best parenting in the world, children misbehave. So it's a really, really difficult one. Particularly at the moment in The Cosy Lives, I read a really like sort of you know when you read headlines sometimes and you just say think oh my god like apparently some of the most stolen the most shoplifted things from supermarkets at the moment are nappies mm. and cowpole yeah, um I saw so yeah yeah um yeah so shout out if you to... see somebody stealing cowpole or nappies you didn't yeah exactly just let it go look the other way for sure mm-hmm. i have some very quick um listener messages <gasps> oh best thing yeah before i forget um they are both, this is a few weeks ago now, mm-hmm. um, but still pertinent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in response to, I think, us us and Rachel, when we were talking mm-hmm. about the Judaism storylines, oh, yeah. did a shout out. Um, and we've had a couple of replies. Oh, excellent. We love it when listeners get in touch. Yeah. Um, so this is from Eliana in New York. And she says, hello, Gino and Dylan. I am Jewish and from the Upper West Side of NYC. I have often contemplated how this season depicts NYC Jewish culture. It's such a complex identity with a huge amount of differentiation and nuance. I think the show best represented some of my niche experiences with an episode back in season two, where Carrie dates the Jewish writer with the great family. Remember, Mm. just in through the shortcomings episode. To me, the music and constant Jewish puns of season six do feel a bit othering, but there are moments that feel familiar too, like the conversion plotline, my mum like Charlotte converted. I think what saves it is that Harry feels like a fleshed out person who is both soft, strong and grounded in security and self-love. I can't speak of all Jewish folks or NYC Jews, just speaking from my own lived experience. Thanks for the great podcast. And thank you, Eliana, for being part of the podcast. Yeah, um, great message. And then we also had a message about, remember we were saying, can you make raw ravioli? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when when Samantha like... meets Smith Jarrett at the mm-hmm. raw, someone has said, read the raw ravioli. It could be that it's not pasta at all, but very slim, thinly sliced veg, like kohlrabi, fused together with a filling inside. It's the only way I can think to do raw ravioli. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't want go. to eat that. Either. No, thank you. <laughs> thank um, you. Please keep, please keep your messages coming in. As always, <laughs> Dylan will be manning the inbox. Yeah. Um. Okay. Next week, it's time, Dylan. Here we go. Woo-hoo, it's time. My best episode of all time ever. Me Samantha too. Jones <laughs> being misted with Evian. What else can you do? That's right. 
Jerry Horner knee Harrywell <laughs> makes her Sex in the City debut. As does, oh my god! As does David Duchovny. I'm so <laughs> freaking excited. Miss Bronstein is from Sussex, as am I. <laughs> Round up the waiter and have him tally up the drinks. <laughs> I cannot wait. Amazing. Oh, cool. Um, we will see you next week for the best episode of all time ever. Join yeah. us! Bye. Take care. Bye for now.